0: Hi, welcome to another episode of Analyzing Mormonism. This is episode 38, and this is part three with Our Truth Be Told and Jen Camp talking about Joseph and his polygamist wives. This one, I haven't really listened to this episode. I remember it being kind of a, I'm going to just say the phrase shit show, because we had our dog, and the do- our dog had just gotten fixed, and so he's got this huge cone on his head. If you watch the video, it's... It's he probably was pretty hilarious. Like
1: a giant baby, okay. He was a giant he's- baby, and he was whining a lot. He just
0: wanted to be held, and he's still kind of a puppy. And anyway, so like, if then- you watch the video,
1: <laughs> he,
0: he like puts the cone. Uh, it, like he kind of you know does like little nose kisses and our faces are inside the cone anyway it, uh, I, i'm like nervous to listen to it again <laughs> i don't even want to know like i think jen had to edit a whole bunch down but Probably. hopefully hopefully it wasn't too bad for but anyway so this is that episode and then and hopefully we'll keep uh posting more about the plague wife so we hope you guys enjoy this episode and don't be too embarrassed for us <laughs>
2: Everyone. thanks for coming today and being with us today on our Truth Be Told podcast. Um, I am here today again with Julia and America, of course, and our special guest, Gus, the, the puppy, because he just had a procedure and he has his little dog cone on and he just wants to be on their lap and so we are going to let him be on their lap. So if you hear little dog whines through the podcast today, you know why. <laughs> <laughs> or they're just loving on their puppy, so. Yeah. Um, but today, we're excited for the third, um, I guess, third podcast in the series of Joseph Smith Polygamy. And these five wives are Elizabeth Davis Durfee, and then we have Sarah Kingsley Cleveland, Eliza R. Snow, which I think most people will recognize that name. Um, Delsina Johnson, and then Sarah and Whitney. So those are the wives of Joseph Smith we're going to talk about today. And, um, of course, Julia's made, and America has made, um, amazing slides for us. So we'll pull those up and then we'll get started. Is there anything you guys want to say before we get going?
3: I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs>
2: For those of you who are watching this on YouTube, Gus is the cutest thing ever right now. He's just totally chilling on America's lap. So, (laughs) love you, Gus.
4: Okay, here we go. Okay, take it away, Julia. Okay, so yeah, this is just the first slide. This is part three. And so I was telling America, we have like three more. We have like 15 more wives left, so... (laughs)
3: Oh,
4: yeah, perfect. So many. So many words. <laughs> There's probably more. Like, yeah. Anyway, so this is a just an overview of all of the five wives that we're talking about and their ages. So you'll notice that the first two that we're talking about are 50 or in their 50s. So their their marriages to Joseph are a little bit different. And then the la- the next three are are closer to Joseph's age. And you can also tell. <laughs>
3: last one, 17. Well, yeah, okay, okay. That's the right. the last one. <laughs> Sarah. Not her. Yeah. <laughs>
4: but, um, but you'll notice that these all these wives take place in two months. So June and July of 1842. So he starts getting yeah. on really fast. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Yeah. So so June, he marries his 11th, 12th, and 13th polygamous wives. So Okay, here we go. Okay, so Elizabeth Davis Sturphy, and then Goldsmith Black Blackenberry. Um she, just her other names.
3: <laughs>
4: so Elizabeth was you know, Elizabeth is born on March 11th of 1791. She was the sixth of seven children. She married when she was 20 to a man named Gilbert Goldsmith in 1811. Together they joined the Methodist church and then eight months after they were married, they had twins and one of them did not survive. So that's, we can see this a lot with his wives. A month following Gilbert's boat capsized during a storm and he drowned. So at this young age, she becomes a widow. And then in 18, we're not sure exactly the dates, but in 1818 or 1819, she marries again to a man named Joseph Brackenbury, and he was an immigrant from England, so that's kind of neat. And together, they had two sons before moving to Ohio, and while in Ohio, they had a son named Benjamin who died at birth, and then the following year, they had another Benjamin. And their last child was born in 1829, and his name was John Wesley.
2: That's always so weird to me when they name another
4: child the same name.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: like like over and over and over again until it hits,
2: right? Yeah, <laughs> um, it's so sad.
3: Okay.
4: Um, and Joseph Brackenbury, he has an interesting kind of story. When they were in Ohio, there's like Mormon territories, territory. So they joined the church and they were baptized on April 10th of 1831. And then during general conference, um, he was called, Joseph was called on a mission to New York. And while he was there, the church history tells us that he was poisoned by non, non-Mormons. Mm-hmm. And they posted, they were like, the Mormon elders didn't have faith enough to stand to withstand poison, so he died on January 7th of 1832, so she becomes a widow for the second time. Mm -hmm. And then, so, uh, Elizabeth Davis Durfee, um, on March 1834, Elizabeth married a man named, I don't know how to say it, Jabez Durfee, Mm -hmm. and he had five children with his first wife who passed away, so he's not a polygamist yet. Um, And then um, she had, I guess, five, I can't remember how many surviving kids that was, but they combined their families together, so. A big family. Yeah.
3: Mm.
4: So I was listening to Lindsay Hanson Park in preparation for this, and she said this really interesting quote. She said, "Not all wives are created equally." And this we can see with this wife and the next wife that we'll talk about, is that they weren't. So her purpose as a mother in Israel was to help convince younger or other women to that polygamy was the right thing to do. Um. So so sometimes Joseph uses a male intermediary, but here he uses often he uses also a, a female intermediary mm-hmm. who was mostly his his other, one, one of his other wives,
3: mm-hmm. so, yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. Uh, and then she also was the one, she also helped um, convince the Partridge sisters to marry Joseph, but we'll talk about them when we talk about those girls, so, um, and a, an interesting story that I found is that at one point Elizabeth became very ill, and she was administered to by Emma and her counselors in the Relief Society, and then it worked, she said she, I never realized more benefit through the, the administration and that she was healed by Emma and that she thought that the sisters had more faith in the brethren. So I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> but.
2: Yeah. And we talked about that, um, Julia and I, in another podcast where we mm-hmm. talked about um, the Relief Society and the priesthood and how the women in the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, they had the priesthood in the beginning and then it was taken from them. Um, later on so go back and listen to that podcast if you want to learn about that and what
4: happened there yeah so so she was well known and respected among the relief society and she was given a lot of responsibilities and one of them that i thought was interesting i've been reading over the relief society minute book and i didn't realize this but whenever people were being initiated into the society you could oppose them you can say no i don't want this woman in the society and so one of her jobs was to investigate the women who were opposed who had an opposition how do i say that um, she had to go see if that's a good enough if that was good or if they should initiate her anyway so I thought that was wow. interesting I wonder if, I want to know if there's a list somewhere <laughs> <I wonder laughs> you, go to, if you look at the Relief study Minute book that's just on the Joseph Smith papers they uh-huh. have the whole list and they put like yay or nay at the, at the very beginning I think this is in um, the very beginning Absolutely. of your society. And then and then afterwards, they just list the people who have joined. They don't they don't say yay or nay. But at the beginning, they did. So you can see the women who were... Wow. Kind of, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so then in, in a turn of events, um, Eliza Snow uh, describes that Elizabeth healed Emma. And she says it in this little poem that I wanted to... Or actually, do you want to read it? Sure. It's a little poem that Eliza wrote. Sir, for your
2: consolation, permit me to tell that your Emma is better. She soon will be well. Mrs. Durfee stands by her night and day like a friend, and is prompt ever call, ever
4: wish to attend. Yeah, so I thought that's fun. She wrote Joseph uh, this in the letter, and so just I think there's a close tie. It seems with Elizabeth mm-hmm. and Emma, and I just mm-hmm. I like the way that Eliza Arsenault portrayed that. So yeah, I do too. And this is a famous quote that comes out of Elizabeth, but Zion is the one who's telling retelling the story. She's, she remembers a conversation between Elizabeth and Emma in which Elizabeth's like, do you believe that your husband is the prophet? And Emma says, yes, but I wish to God I did not know it. And I really think mm. it's because of polygamy. So
2: Yeah, yeah. I agree.
4: <laughs> I think that would be the reason, too. Yes. Um, so this one I thought was interesting is in um, October of 1843. So this is not during this time period, but in the next year, she's initiated into the Holy Order. Um, When she gets her endowment and she doesn't have her husband with her because normally they have they do it as a couple, but um, they weren't together. So I thought that was interesting. Mm
3: -hmm. And then
4: she was there with Emma when Joseph's body arrived in Nauvoo. So another um, sign that they're close friends. And then so and then after a year later, after Joseph is dead, she separated from Jabez and she married a man named Cornelius Lot. And then Cornelius stood proxy for Joseph and she was sealed to Joseph for eternity. And then she was sealed to Cornelius for time only. And then, right, this is interesting. Her husband was also sealed to three additional women that day: the, his first wife, and then a woman who was 68, and then a woman who's just 15, or a girl who's just 15. And then girl. a month yeah. later another girl who was 15. So, like, she entered into polygamy with this other guy really quickly. I don't know. I just thought that was interesting.
2: That is so interesting. Yeah, and like, well,
4: she- I'm like, I'm like a
2: tiny bit confused on. So when Joseph was still alive, was she, was she sealed to him ever at that time?
4: Um, I didn't see that. And I, it might be because the Navu temple's progression on when, mm-hmm. when it was completed, but like reading Todd Compton's research, I didn't see that she had been sealed because I guess that's a good question because often the women are sealed. They're they, they do the work twice,
3: mm-hmm. I guess,
4: like they're married to him initially mm-hmm. and then they're sealed later. So with her, I'm not exactly sure if it was a two time thing or if it was a once. Yeah. yeah that's okay. a good question, but yeah. Okay. Um, so another thing that I think is really interesting, so she is Joseph Smith's wife, polygamous wife and her husband Cornelius is a polygamist. But when the saints moved to Winter Quarters, she leaves the church and her husband and re- goes back to Illinois. And then according to Todd Compton, he says that she renewed her friendship with Emma and she moves. She later moved to California to be with her kids. But then Joseph Smith third was starting his church, the Aurelius church, and he sent missionaries mm-hmm. to California. And she was like, you know what, I'll join. So she came back and um joseph one of joseph smith the third's big movements was to convince everyone that joseph wasn't a polygamist but like he was his wife but like i just thought that was really interesting that she just like 180 like i don't believe this part of or it seems that she's turning and saying like i don't believe that polygamy was correct and maybe she was struggling with cornelius because she's living in that circumstance so yeah well it
2: seems like it you know (laughs) he marries Another woman, and then he marries two 15-year-old children. And yeah. um, it seems like after that happens, she's like, nope, I'm out. And then yeah. goes back to where Emma is, right? Okay. Tries mm-hmm. to start that
4: friendship again. Yeah, and then, like, so, so even as a mother in Zion, like, she's, yeah. she's trying to convince younger girls to marry Joseph. And, like, she, her own husband is marrying younger girls. So, like, maybe that felt wrong to her. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just speculation, but I wonder if yeah. there had to have been something happening so that she would join the, LD, the RLDS church.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Some of these stories, I wish that the women's voices were written. Like, I, I want their story so bad from their own voice.
3: Yeah. yeah. Like, their
2: true story. Like, the right. truth of what happened. But right. Yeah.
4: yeah. Um, so, one interesting thing is that in 1876, at, at the age of 85, Elizabeth <laughs> was killed by cars, or in other words, she was hit by a train. I don't know how that happens, but that was just what was published in the papers. And then, so just as an overview, because I think she's really, her life's really fascinating. She had five husbands. She spent the last 30 years um, single. She lived in seven different states. She joined four different churches. She was a plural wife of Joseph, friends with Emma, and then joined the eldest Church and then was hit by a train. So like. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite
1: the so story. <laughs> life ending with hit by a train is going to be wow. like about <laughs>
4: But at eighty-five, goodness. I know. That, like, what are you doing by the trains at eighty-five? I know that
2: Thank is you. a now yeah, that's a crazy life.
4: We don't even have a picture of her. Otherwise, I would have posted it. So we have mm-hmm. very little left of her. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so Sarah Kingsley's number twelve. Sarah Kingsley, how Cleveland? Um, these women have a lot of names because of marriages. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Sarah was born October 20th of 1788. So again, she's much older than Joseph and she was in Massachusetts. Her, bio- her biography tells us that she was born heir to a fortune, was well-educated, became a woman of refinement and culture. So later she kind of she remind, reminds me of Eliza Snow. He's These are just very refined women. She attended an academy in New Haven in Connecticut and um, she was married in 19 to a man named John Howe and they had one child, Edward. So. But also um so in the war of 1812 um her husband John went on a voyage and his ship um he had a there was a ship oh, his ship was seized and then he was in prison and there is some disagreement in the historical record on when he died some say he died right after he came home in 1812 but then like there's letters of him um so like somebody wrote a biography of her and it doesn't have a lot of correct information mm-hmm. but we see his letters to her and they're really beautiful like he very much loved her and then, like he even writes his will later, so like he, he didn't die right away. But, but unfortunately, their son Edward did die, and he was about seven, so that would have been really, really hard for her. Um, but then he does pass away between eighteen twenty three and eighteen twenty six when she does remarry. So, so she becomes a widow at a pretty young age as well. So that's yeah. a reflection of his the wife we just talked about. Yeah. Uh, so Sarah married John Cleveland in June of eighteen twenty six, and they had they did have children together. One one thing that I think is really interesting is, do you know the Swedenbergs? Do you know? No. No. So this is, I think, really interesting. So here, pause for a second on this. So Joseph Smith's family, there's a spell book that they used for their occultic rituals. And you can learn that this in um, D. Michael Quinn's books, um, Magic Worldview. And uh, inside this book, which is available online, um, there's a there's like several pages and pages of this Swedenbergian, this guy, mean, Swedenberg's teachings, he believed in the pre-existence, he believed in the three kingdoms, mm. he believed in so many different things that, that the Mormons believe in, and, and some speculate that Joseph Smith plagiarized all those ideas. Mm. Uh, so it's interesting that her husband, John, was a member of his church, and he they believed all the same things, so it's interesting that he he didn't like, he would not join the Mormon church, he was still friendly to them, but he just wouldn't join, but they their beliefs are so similar to me, so... Um, but anyway, so her, so Sarah and John uh, clashed there, and so she took their daughter to the Mormon church, and he took their son to the Swedenborgian church. So, I thought that was um, an interesting compromise.
2: Yeah, that is Wait. interesting to me. I wonder no. if that's why she was drawn to the religion he was preaching. Oh,
4: that's true. That could, have. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so another, um, another, uh, pattern is Joseph Smith living with women before he marries them. And I know she's older, but this this is still the case in, with this wife, is that when Joseph was in prison, he wrote um, to Emma, and he was like, can you ask Mr. Cleveland to have you and the kids stay with him, and he'll take care of you. And he says, mm-hmm. I will reward him well if he will see to you, see that you don't suffer and take care of you, which I thought was interesting. But um, so, so Emma and the kids move into the Clevelands, and they are, they're there for a while. And then after Joseph gets out of jail, he joins Emma and they're there for, he's there with them all for three weeks. So it's a short amount of time, but it's interesting that it's still the pattern of him living with women before he marries them.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Okay, so another interesting thing um, is that the Joseph Smith moves to, they get it, they get it, they relocate to Nauvoo. And then two weeks later, Joseph writes to the Clevelands and he's like, hey, I picked out a great lot for you. It's really, really nice. You guys should come and live with me. And uh, this was really, I think having Joseph pick out lots like this was indicative of a plural wife and so yeah this throughout and I think some people have discovered his wives because of these lots um they yeah. didn't do it right away because they were they were John was pretty settled where he was he was but anyway um it says Sarah certainly married Joseph before June of tw- June 29th as she was a witness for Eliza R. snow who was married to Joseph at June 29th so we don't know their exact date of of polygamy marriage um but yeah so often his new wife stood as witnesses for his newest wives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay okay so um if you read the really exciting minute book which i'm kind of just thinking about a lot um sarah cleveland becomes a counselor and so her name shows up there a lot and she's emma um one thing that i find really interesting is that all of 1843 emma doesn't show up at all in really society like she's never there, mm. um, and so Sarah's the one usually taking over and being mm. uh, presiding, I guess, over it. I didn't realize that. Yeah, so I, I just looked that up a couple of days ago, so I thought that was really fascinating. Um, but so it was uh, quickly apparent that it was that Emma was using the Relief Society to find um, the women that Joseph was supposedly marrying. Um, mm-hmm. So that was really awkward for. I imagine that would be really awkward for Sarah because she is one of the wives. So um, yeah.
2: I remember that in the last five. Yeah. That that was happening in the release society. Like someone had suggested that, and Emma's like, no, take it back. Like, say this written out thing. Remember? That she had to like say publicly. And now she's probably finding out, well, she's knowing actually that that's not the case. Yeah. So, yeah, I wouldn't, sorry, I wouldn't want to go hang out with y'all either, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Like,
4: Um, so another yeah, thing, the another interesting thing is that on April 14th, Sarah is like cautioning. She's like, uh, like, don't speak evil of Joseph Smith and his companion. Um, she says it would not be a light thing in the in God's sight um, that they had proved themselves. So she's like, so so it's just interesting that Emma wants to figure out. Emma wants to put down the lies about polygamy because she doesn't want to believe it. But mm-hmm. Sarah wants to put down the rumors about polygamy because she wants to keep it a secret. Yeah. So it's just very interesting these two women's. Um, Uh, desires out of the society i guess but yeah um, so that would have been really hard um so three different so when the saints migrated west there's three different versions of sarah going west so she has her husband that um does not want to go west at all he's like no i'm in here um so so there's a story where she was supposed to go with the saints but then um the weather the weather gets poor she makes it to winter quarters like i think the weather gets really bad so brigham's like you know what just turn around and, and go home and then that would be it. And then another version, she's she is supposed to return to her husband because um return to her husband for until the weather got better and then and then go out to Utah. But then mm-hmm. another version she goes, she's supposed to Brigham says, Go to your husband, he's a good man, he'll treat you well, he'll take care of you, and then we'll just leave it at that. Like, you know, stay with him, be a missionary for him, basically. Mm-hmm. Which so I don't know exactly what the which one is the true one, but if if the one of Brigham that just kind of bothered me because like other wives yeah like zina huntington he he could have said you're and john wesley or john this guy isn't even a member of the church but zina's husband was so like why would you tell one wife to go back to her husband but then steal like literally steal another wife from her active member husband like just really bothered me that totally adored her
3: and loved her yeah, so, um, I remember
4: him like writing love letters or yes, whatever, right? Yeah. And, he, yeah. and he would even get married. He even got married, I think, a couple of times. Still wasn't over Zina. So like Yeah. Yeah, it's just really icky. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so um Sarah did return back to her husband and then it was really, really hard for her because her only daughter was away in in Utah and she her daughter was like five months pregnant when she when they separated it. On the trek, so that was really hard for her. But then that baby died a day on the same day that it was born. That was really hard. So it's just it was just really hard for her to be so far away from them. But her husband took really good care of her. They lived on a really good farm. They had they had a great vineyard. They had currants. They had peaches. They just had a really really good life. It seems to me. And then um, one thing that I thought was interesting is that in 1847, her husband, who had been really friendly towards the Mormons, he was like really really friendly. He just suddenly like. Has really harsh feelings and i'm not sure why like if it was a if he's like hearing things or like i don't know what was going on but anyway so she says your father talking to her child in the letter she says your father is more and more bitter towards the mormons so i just thought that was an interesting mm-hmm. thing but so in sarah um, um at the age of 67 she joins the presbyterian church and then but she passes away in april 21st of 18 of 1856 so just a, like a year later she Dies. But I thought that was interesting too that she didn't stay with the Mormons. But I guess that would have been really hard because you're away from all the saints, essentially. And so, what do you have left? And so, yeah, I think a lot of the, his wives ended up leaving the church. So, yeah. Okay, so Eliza or Snow. We brought this one up between the two of us, so we'll both be talking about. She's huge. <laughs> yeah, a yeah, lot of <laughs> info. Yeah, you could easily have a whole podcast <laughs> yeah. for hours on just her. But I'm going to try to just get the the essentials of her, hopefully your notes are the same yeah. way. Okay, so Eliza was born on January 21st of 1809 in Massachusetts. She was the second of seven children and she learned whole chapters of the Bible by heart, which I thought was really cool. She and her siblings were given the best education possible without preference of either sex. So very that feels really progressive to me of her parents. Mm-hmm. And then she said book studies and schooling were ever present in her home. So So again, really, really great parents. Mm-hmm. So um, when she meets Joseph she, in the winter of 1831 and 32, she's only 27 yet. So they're not, they'll be married another 10 years later. She meets Joseph Smith. And so she said he was warming himself by the fire. And she said, I scrutinized his face as closely as I could without attracting his attention. And I decided that his was an honest face. And then she was baptized of April 5th of 1835. So a few years later. But I just thought that was interesting that just by looking at him, she felt like she could trust that he was an honest person, which
3: I mm-hmm.
4: I disagree I, with so like, <laughs> I disagree with that. but yeah, like okay. as, with as much book learning as you have, you're gonna just rely on the countenance of a person's face. It's
3: just, yeah, it's a little bit
4: different but yeah, anyway. yeah. <laughs> so um one thing that I think was interesting is that in December of that year, she boarded for a time with Joseph and his family in Curlin. And then another interesting thing is that, so another, you know, living with your wife. Um, and then also, uh, Eliza donated a large sum of money to help build the Kirtland Temple. And then she's like, oh, you don't have to give me anything in return. But the committee, the temple committee, insisted and they gave her a valuable house near the temple. So kind of neat, like I guess. Yeah. like, Yeah. So in the spring of 1836, Eliza taught a school for a select school for young ladies in a building adjoining the Smith home. Um, and one of the students was Sarah Ann Whitney. Um, so I thought that was really cool. That she's a teacher. And then another interesting thing is her brother is Lorenzo Snow, who becomes a later prophet. And then he becomes dissatisfied with his church. And she was like, hey, you should try out the Mormons. And he, so he does. And then he gets baptized in June
1: of the next year. So After all the chaos starts happening, um, you know, mobs and all that kind of a thing, um, most Mormons had left Ohio by 1838. Um, so Eliza and her father... Oliver and her brother Lorenzo, I believe, made their way to Adamon Diamond where they purchased two homesteads, two whole homesteads including houses and crops paid in full because they are wealthy because <laughs> they could do that. Um, but that didn't last long so Go- Governor Boggs gave his order um... <coughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and the previous owner of the house showed up asking how soon they should be out of it, which made her really mad. So she said, "My, um, actually, do you want to read the quote? Sure. My American blood warmed to
2: the temperature of an insulted, free-born American citizen as I looked at him and thought, poor man, you little know with whom you ha- you have to deal. God lives.
1: No. You know, she's basically saying, you don't know who you're messing with. Wow, God lives. Kind of likes my staff a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's uh, she's like known for her like very um quick
3: whip. She's wit. She's, got, she's got steel a, steel trapper whip. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't
1: know
3: how that I don't know. She's
1: she's got a very. <laughs> <wit>. <laughs> I like it. Ironic whip. Ironic whip. Yeah. So this <laughs> is another quote. Um. So as they're traveling, they're kicked out of that house, and they're um traveling in the um a man of she calls him one of the so-called militia he he greeted her he said well i think this will cure you of your faith and she said looking him squarely in the eye i replied no sir it will take more than this to cure me of my faith his countenance dropped and he responded i must confess you are a better soldier than i am she said i passed on thinking that unless he was above the average of his fellows in that section i was not complimented by his confession (laughs) She's basically like, I "I didn't want a compliment. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, so she did become the Relief Society secretary um, when it was uh, first um, made. So she was actually involved in the choosing of the Relief Society's name. She was opposed to the word relief. She did not like relief. She wanted the
4: benevolence.
1: She she wants a benevolent society or something like that ruled. Everybody else likes Relief Society. Um, but so she insisted, Sarah Cleveland
4: was on board with her about that name though. She's I like, know. I agree with you,
1: Emma. But Eliza didn't like it. Mm. So yeah, so but she suggested it be the Female Relief Society. Um, so they went with that for some amount of time. Um, it's obviously it didn't continue for forever. <coughs> so she participated in blessings meetings and she even gave prophetic blessings herself. Um, and then, about this time, Eliza began to hear rumors about polygamy. Um, here, you can go ahead and read that quote.
2: In view, I first understood that the practice of plurality was to be introduced into the church. The subject was very repug- repugnant of my feelings. So directly was it in opposition to my educated prepossessions that it seemed as though all the pre- prejudices of my ancestors for generations past congregated around me
4: hmm. that's definitely opposed <laughs> yeah so like the church tries to play it off like everyone when they first hear it hates the idea of polygamy but then eventually they come around to it which yeah. i don't like that they do that because like you have to come around to it this is the spokesman for god like
1: yeah the only other option
4: is to like there is no other option i, I don't know I just think
1: yeah especially yeah. um i think it talks about this later uh where sarah and whitney will get to that but it was it was her brother who was like either i choose to believe in this thing like polygamy or i lose every like literally everything my family yeah and my my salvation yeah exactly. my and then not only that but like they endured prosecution prosecution persecution, persecution. persecution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah to follow this person that is now saying oh, yeah, i is chosen you know is is of god um, so, of course, they're going to be like, well, then it must be so, because I've given up everything in my life to follow this man. Of yeah. Course.
3: this.
2: I'm I mean, not- by this time, they've given up. They've sold homes. They've given money to the church. They've, like, believed everything that he's written. They've stood up to militia <laughs>
1: and armies. They're literally um, becoming, like, uh, th- their own army.
2: Yeah, it's like 96. their whole world and you wonder why they had to come around, especially in that yeah. day when, especially for women in that day, you can't just like hop on a plane and go see your friend somewhere else. You know what I mean? It's just, uh-huh. n- it's just different. You've yeah. left
1: everything
2: <laughs> behind. Yeah. It's like, they might, might as well make the best of what they've chosen.
1: Exactly. Is what I know. And the cognitive dissonance that's going on in your head, you have to, you have to make it make sense. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Great. Okay. So, so first she thought that polygamy was a doctrine far in the distance and beyond the period of my mortal existence. So she's like, it's never going to have to, I'm never going to have to deal with that. Um, But she soon learned it was currently being practiced. So she was living with Sarah Cleveland. So she probably learned from Sarah Cleveland um, the <laughs> wife of joseph smith so, so eliza started preparing herself for plurality if necessary like
4: what the faith mm-hmm. though right mm-hmm. there that mm-hmm. sentence. like i think at some i think sometimes women in the church now would have asked themselves that like if i yeah. was commanded to live polygamy or if my husband was they have to answer that and they have to answer in like i, I would assume that they would answer in an affirming way because this is the true church right yeah, it could be really hard. I, think. It is,
1: I hate that because it's like, what is that except for grooming? Like you're essentially yeah. preparing a mind to accept something that mm-hmm. it does not want to accept, but mm-hmm. it's but it's preparing you to accept it. It's plowing a pathway through your brain to this is a possibility.
2: So for sure, for sure, it's a it's a using psychology <laughs> to get what they want. Yeah.
1: yeah. So she said, "I had covenanted in the waters of baptism to live by every word he should communicate, and my heart was firmly set to do his bidding." And the first time I read that, I thought she was talking about Joseph Smith, but I think she's talking about God because the H's are capitalized.
3: Mm-hmm. But either way, Joseph the, mouth so. the mouthpiece. Either way,
1: he's the mouthpiece. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's just so hard. I wish that they knew they could change their mind. <laughs>
3: it's <was> just <laughs>
2: really hard for them. Yeah.
4: But Joseph sometimes wouldn't let them sign like a Huntington. She said no a few times. And he just kept coming back.
2: Yeah. Well, and then the threats start, and then the oh, yeah, for sure. salvation well, is threatened. I'll, I'll ruin
4: your reputation if you say your no. your reputation,
3: yeah. yeah. You lose your and then they get
4: younger and younger to try do that too. Well, then he, his older wives, he gets so that he can get the younger wives, so. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, so she was so deeply converted to this principle. Um, so it, it went, like I said, that it went even deeper than acceptance. So she said, as I increased in knowledge concerning the principle, I grew in love with it. And today esteem it a precious, sacred principle, necessary in the elevation and salvation of the human family, in redeeming woman from the curse and the world from corruption. Yeah, that's, I first of all, they, I hate that woman is supposed to be redeemed from the curse. but that's. that's yeah,
4: it. the curse of life. Yeah. I was just thinking like suffering, a lot of these people interpret suffering as like a holiness and women suffered with polygamy, like so in so many different ways. And like, I think they saw that as a refiner's fire or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like I'm suffering because it's so righteous. Mm-hmm. I, don't yeah. know, I can just feel that in that, in that sentence. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It reminds me of the FLDS right now. Like even to this day, they use those same words. Yeah. You know, like I have to, I have to go through this, in this life, so I can be saved, or this, you know, in the celestial kingdom, you know, as a polygamous wife, in the eternities. It's just, yeah, yeah. it's just sad. It
1: yeah. is. So she goes on to say, um, and this was a different, <coughs> a different day, but she says, from personal knowledge, I bear my testimony that plural celestial marriage is a pure and holy principle not only tending to individual purity and elevation of character, but also instrumental in producing a more perfect type of manhood, mentally and physically, as well as restoring human life to its former longevity.
2: A little Sorry. bit different than the first quote she said, right? Yeah. Where she was like, me and all the angels around me, all my ancestors were no." Yeah.
1: I'm really curious about that because there are some... Uh, prophets who say that being married to more than one woman um, extends the life or like the the, the life of the man like um, I've been reading John D. Lee's um, trial confessions. Uh, confessions and there's mm-hmm. quotes about uh, from Brigham Young about uh, maybe it's Brigham Young anyway that time period where they're like oh take a a, a sad you know a weighed down man, and give him another young wife, and he'll perk right up. And he'll, oh, yeah, he like you see bigger him. return to his. Definitely
2: state. sounds like Brigham Young, but yeah, you
1: know? yeah, it's pretty really gross. terrible. So, I'm wondering if that's kind oh. of the same idea like, oh, you gotta have um, <laughs> these wives in order to oh. have health in your bones. I don't know, kind of <clears throat> go back and shake some people, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so she's she yeah. does get married to the prophet. So so later, um, Eliza referred to Joseph as my beloved husband, the choice of my heart, and the crown of my life. So she clearly had very high esteem for him. But um, when I,
4: like even reading, I read her book a long time ago as a member. Like reading her quotes about it, it, I it sort of felt more like a instead of a husband and wife, it felt more like a I don't know, like like the mouthpiece for God, like your relationship like an with idol. yeah, like like yeah. it was different anyway. So that kind of makes me. Wonder how she viewed him. Yeah, yeah I could see that.
1: Um, and then so I'm not sure who Angus Cannon is, other than that he was later her stake president. But um, he is quoted as saying that Elizabeth told him that Emma authorized the marriage, which does not um make sense because yeah, later events suggest otherwise. Cannon also said that Eliza did affirm a sexual dimension to her marriage with Joseph. there's that um and then less than two months after the marriage emma invited eliza to live in their home and so she actually taught the smith's family school um eliza viewed this uh, being asked to come and live with them as a path directed by god she was she was at that time um uh, about to be Homeless. I think she was living with Sarah Cleveland and Sarah Cleveland was moving or something. Anyway, mm-hmm. she was going to not have a home. And then Emma invited her to live with them. And she's like, well, this makes perfect sense because I'm married to your husband. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so they, so she was living with them. Um, they, and at that time her father, Oliver, um, was becoming disenchanted with the Mormons. And so he wanted to move away and he wanted to take mm-hmm. Eliza with him. Um, but he wrote, "Eliza cannot leave our prophet." For my part, I am glad at present to be away. So,
4: yeah. it's interesting that even when polygamy is hush hush, people are still finding a lot of valid reasons to not like Joseph or the church. Yeah. So, yeah, because yeah, yeah. I think the polygamy is being the, one of the biggest things, that people were still leaving, not knowing anything about
3: it. Yeah.
2: Okay. I think there has to be like some energy or vibe i don't know exactly what to say oh, but I'm, something I'm like, secrecy secret combination yeah. and there's day nights and, yeah. And like, yeah it oh, starts to be oh. not like this outward religion where you know we're talking to everyone at the same time and you know what i mean there starts to be these little you know off groups that are like their own little group behind the scene and i think whenever any kind of grouping of people start to do that it becomes corrupt Hmm. i i just don't ever see it being good in any way when someone has to go and make a little group of people that are different or above special or special or whatever that's when things go go wrong
1: (laughs) yeah yeah well, they literally, what do they call it? Dynasties or what do they call it? Oh, I don't know. Um, but Joseph is literally tying families to him and making his own little oh, that's really like, dynasty of like, mm-hmm. Oh, the, the chosen ones that like, <clears throat> and he's telling these, these men who, he, whose wives he's marrying or the, the wives, like your family will be, um, you know, say not, not just saved, but, um, You'll have eternal life for all, generations to come because you do this. He's, yeah. he's he's essentially giving them the second anointing and uh, guaranteeing their salvation mm-hmm. in order to do this. Which is great. I know he did that
2: with um Kimball, mm-hmm. Helen,
1: mm-hmm. Helen, mm-hmm. Helen
4: Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. 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 Crazy. Yeah. Great. So this is um you guys remember the church? I read a lot of Brian Hale's books to try to figure out polygamy. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, so there's a story of, of Emma and Eliza, mm-hmm. and, uh, so uh, while Eliza's living there, there's, there's, I think there I want to say there's like eight different versions of the story, but that might be, don't quote me on that, um, but so they're all a little different and they're, they're late, so we don't know if the story actually happens, and Brian Hills, I'll show some images later where he says that this could not have happened, but I, I don't, I don't want to give an opinion because I don't know, because it, it seems very much in character of Emma,
1: and there's um, three different stories. Like,
4: I think there's more versions than that. There's at least three. <laughs> so, so Eliza's there, and she's supposedly um, heavy with child. So she's pregnant with Joseph's child. And they meet on the top of the stairs, and Joseph kisses her good morning, and then he goes down to have breakfast. And then someone who was there with Joseph, he witnesses. He says he witnesses all this. Um, but Emma pushes Eliza down the stairs, and then she tumbles down, and then she loses the baby, and then she um, has a sore in her hip for the rest of her life.
3: Mm.
1: Mm -hmm. should we stop her on her hip or she has a sore
4: hip like they say she favored her hip for the remainder of her life so i don't know if that means she wasn't she limped or if it was just tender i don't don't know um yeah so this is just the story in full i I don't want to read it because that's basically the gist of it is that emma was really jealous and then took it out on eliza but we do know as as far as church as far as the historical record we do know that there was some kind of falling out between um, eliza and emma and like I said earlier, um, this is mid, uh, this is June of 1842, but since this point, Emma doesn't go back to Relief Society. She, If you look at everyone, everyone mm-hmm. says that she's absent for whatever reason. So I just mm-hmm. think that's really interesting that, I don't know if that's exactly why she didn't return. I'm sure it has to do with polygamy in general because um, uh, the next year, I guess, is when the revelation about polygamy comes in. Anyway, there's a number of reasons, but I just thought it was interesting that she never shows her face again in, Rel- in Relief Society. Mm. Which would just be really hard like i feel for emma so much in all of this yeah one of the analyze analyze it oh well yeah like like there's no evidence that she was ever pregnant and um she never she later marries brigham young and they don't have kids so so we don't know about her her ability to have kids or her sexual Mm -hmm. activities so we don't know yeah i guess besides her saying that she did have sex with joseph Oh yeah, well she did say that. You know, I thought you knew Joseph better than that. So, but yeah. I don't there's no reason. I can't think of any reason why Joseph wouldn't. And she adored Joseph. Yeah. There's the story of her being pregnant. I I don't know.
2: Um, yeah. Yeah.
4: Okay. Okay. So Brian Hills, um, his he gives he says that the story absolutely did not happen, and he gives pictures of the two different homes that they possibly could have lived in. And this is the homestead stairs, and he's like, you can't see the stairs, so a witness wouldn't have been able to see Emma push her which makes sense if you look mm-hmm. at the pictures, mm-hmm. that wouldn't have been a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the Navu mansion. And again, it's like, he's like, they don't live up, they're not, their bedroom isn't upstairs. Um, there's like different things where he's like, this is, this story doesn't make any sense. And so like, I don't know whether it happened or not. Um, it just feels very in character. And if somebody's, usually rumors come out of true stories. So I don't, I don't know where, I don't know what yeah. opinion I have on that one, so. yeah,
3: Yeah.
1: Um,
4: okay. So after Joseph's death, um, the martyrdom, Eliza was approached by just like the rest of Joseph's wives, they were approached by Brigham and Kimball and the other members of the 12 and she was, she accepted Brigham Young and some scholars have questions. I thought this was interesting. Some scholars have questioned her sexuality. They, some of them have thought that maybe she wasn't attracted to men or maybe she was asexual or something like that because there's no children. But however, like you did say, she does make that um, statement of her being with Joseph. So who knows? Um, it's all We can only
1: speculate. We don't. I personally don't think she's straight because she's just really smart and I think that um, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not straight people are smarter. Sorry. <laughs> I beg to differ. <laughs>
4: <laughs> We're equally as smart.
3: <laughs> so
4: um, another, another interesting thing is she never signed her name um, Young or uh, Smith. She just um, Eliza. Eliza are so. So I that's mm-hmm. an interesting thing. Uh, and then, uh, she was the most intellectually gifted of Brigham's wives. As she exerted a significant influence on him. Um, and he wasn't really well educated. Um, but so so Joseph, I thought is anyway. So Brigham marrying her, he kept her like he would ask for her advice. He and she would give it, and and so they're kind of a like a power couple, and which I thought was really interesting and very. Uh, this is weird, but like almost progressive of Brigham to like. View his wife that way because he's not—he's not a very good husband.
1: Yeah,
3: he's not a very good person. Um, Well, that's a
4: person, (laughs) period. And then, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess. Oh, I was gonna say she just received her endowment and she was sealed to Joseph for eternity, and then Brigham stood proxy
1: and she was sealed to him for time. So, yeah. So, um. There is so much in Eliza R. Snow's life that we just, like, did not want to go into detail about her entire, Even though we are. <laughs> entire life, so we just kind of skimmed over the, like, her life after, um, so she lived a life of influence, she went, uh, Eliza R. Snow went west with the Saints, and had much influence on the formation of the church in Utah, she was well known for writing and poetry, uh, she famously wrote, Oh My Father, with a gold pencil that Joseph had given her, and I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, she was referred to as a presidentess, and and she was referred to as a spiritual mother in Israel. Um, Eliza's life his hard for LDS women who are single and or childless, a group that is repeatedly marginalized in Mormon culture by the emphasis on motherhood as the highest life path for women. I really like that as a person who was in the Mormon church and not able to have children, so mm-hmm. not that uh, that point. Um, so Eliza did die of, of old age at age 83 in her apartment at Lion House and was buried in Brigham Young's private cemetery.
3: Mm. She lived well. He
4: <laughs> okay, said so this is just a month later he marries his 14th and 15th polygamous wives. So we're back
1: to Joseph Smith now. We're back to yeah, back to Joseph. <laughs> so Dulcina Johnson Sherman. Um, Sherman Smith Babbitt. (laughs) So she was raised in a very religious home. She was born on November 19th, 1806. She was the fourth of 16 children. So her mother, Julia Johnson, um, she plays a big role in, in Delcina's life. Um, I think Delcina, yeah. So Delcina doesn't have a lot of, uh, Information about her life, and most of the information we find about her are from other people's journals. So there's a, uh, quite a few mentions about Julia Johnson and her brother um, Benjamin, and um, of course reference to her husband. Um, but there's very few. It, sometimes they don't even mention her. There, the um, in the book he says Delcina was probably there, or Delcina would have been, you know, probably would have felt this way because. Because he's guessing because this is happening around her so anyway so uh, we learn a lot about her because of her family we see a lot of her life through the lens of her family members so her mother Julia Johnson was very religious Um, so there's mention of them moving from town to town and there was a town she did not want to live in because she said that the people there were Sabbath breakers Right. So her father, Ezekiel Johnson, he was not religious. In fact, he was deeply skeptical of organized religion. Um, the family uh, story is that he was born illegitimate, and his mother's church would not accept him because Aww. of that. So he had like a lot of skepticism for organized religion. And I thought that was pretty heartbreaking. Go ahead, uh, mm-hmm. go back for just a second. Um, so because of. So their family was very loving and warm on the hand, on one hand, but it was also a bit dysfunctional and strained um, on the other hand, um, because Ezekiel turned to drink because of the pressures of hard work. Um, so because of this, Delcina's brother Benjamin wrote that there were occasions when he wished he had never been born. So
3: um,
1: this is not always really a great place to be. Um, so in 1829, Delcina married um, Lyman Sherman at age 22. So her first child, Alvira, was born in 1830. Second daughter, Mary Ellen, was born in 1831. First son, Albie, born in 1832. Four years later, the child, Seth, was born. Then Daniel was born in 1837. So, yeah, so she has a lot lot of kids. And Mm -hmm. most of them are all alive for now. So that's nice. Yeah. Um, (laughs) The amount of babies that just died. Um, so Lyman Sherman became a good friend of Joseph Smith by 1835, and was ordained a president of the original Quorum of the Seventy, making Delcina a general authority's wife. So that's okay. fun. Um, so more about Lyman Royal Sherman. So Lyman, according to his brother-in-law Benjamin, again we get a lot of information from her brother Benjamin. Um, he was the first to use the gift of tongues or glossolalia in Mormonism. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, and if that's true, then Delsina was probably there, maybe. (laughs) We don't know. Um, As the Saints left Kirtland from Missouri in 1838, Lyman set the church printing press on fire so that their enemies could not use it. Wow. That's fun. Um, While Joseph Smith was in Liberty Jail, he and Hiram appointed George A. Smith and Lyman Sherman to fill temporary vacancies in the Quorum of the Twelve, however, before Lyman could be called, Heber Kimball, so he went over to like see him and how he was doing. He noticed that he was somewhat unwell, so he didn't extend the calling to him. And then a few days later, he died.
3: Oh.
1: Yeah, suddenly. <laughs> so, okay, okay. A widow. Yeah, and we don't even it doesn't say why he or how he died. He just he died. So, um, so then she's a widow. Um so in eighteen thirty nine uh, Benjamin Johnson her brother and uh, he's also a good friend of Joseph Smith. he found delcina and her six children at far west and determined to take care of them um and eighteen and the, and meanwhile he's like money running from the he calls them um mob anyway he's mob people he's running from the mob mm-hmm.
3: um
1: In 1842, Benjamin returns from a mission to Canada to find his sister, Delcina, married to Joseph Smith in something of a levirate, levirate Mm -hmm. marriage. Um, He says, it being tacitly admitted, I asked no question. So I had to look it up because Mm -hmm. I have heard the word tacitly, but um, it means that like, they don't really say it. They're like kind of saying it, but not really saying it. So he's Mm -hmm. there. Um, kind of underhandedly admitting that it happened, but he they're was... married on the down low. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> We're not gonna be right
3: marriage, yeah,
1: because they're brothers in Christ. I don't know. I don't know. She's basically Cause cause she's, she's a widow. I don't know. Hmm. Um. Anyway, so this was probably an early proxy marriage. In which Delcina um so this was probably an early proxy marriage in which Delcina married Lyman for eternity, with Joseph Smith standing proxy for her dead husband, after which Delcina and Joseph Smith would have been sealed for time. So
4: Joseph must have been if it's a Leverite marriage, he must have been taking um I don't know what to say.
1: Like sort of responsibility for Like her. like
4: you're my wife,
1: not Benjamin's wife. No, no, yeah. no it's not I thought it was because uh, a Leverite
4: marriage is if is if um a man dies. It's usually a family member. Yeah. And then you're the husband
1: that takes care of them. Well, yeah, but the but any, even any children you have after that still belong to the first husband. Oh, that's right. Right.
4: You're right. Yeah. Which is this whole thing is weird to me. Yeah,
1: it's weird. Um. So after this, she lived with Louisa Beeman, and Joseph apparently provided for them. So if he did take care of them. It seemed like uh, on I the think, down. On <coughs> the down okay. <laughs> Um, So, yeah, so she received her endowment in the Nabu Temple. In the same session, her brother in law and soon to be husband, um, Alman Babbitt, was there. But he was already married to Almira, um, I believe, right? Um, two weeks later, it's so funny how they keep misspelling her name. So, the first time they spelled it Dulcinea, and then this time they spelled it Dulcina. Uh, Dulcina Diadama. She was sealed to Lyman Sherman for eternity with Alman Babbitt standing proxy. And was sealed to, to Babbitt for time. So this is one of the few cases in which a wife of Joseph Smith was married for eternity to someone other than Joseph Smith. They were usually married to Joseph Smith for eternity and then their husbands for time. Um, but in That's this case, it was the opposite. Um, so Babbitt mm-hmm. also married Julia Johnson, her mother, um, Mary Tully and Mariah Lawrence on the same day. And I keep in mind, I'm a bit okay. wrong. Mary Tully. Okay. So, and then he was married to two sisters and their mother is so wrong. (sighs) Okay. Pretty weird. So speaking of Alman Babbitt, um, we're just going to gloss over him. So he was a prominent, if unpredictable figure in Elliot's history. I actually, is really fun to read about him. Um, so he was constantly in trouble with the church, then extricating himself from censure. So he was, and this, uh, this is just some of the things that he did. So he was tried twice by the Kirtland High Council for minor spiritual infractions, was forgiven. He was tried by the Nauvoo High Council for criticizing Joseph Smith, but was acquitted. He was appointed president of the Kirtland stake, but was disfellowshipped for teaching that Kirtland was a proper place for Mormon yeah. gathering. He was made the presiding elder of the Rasmus branch, but was immediately disfellowshipped for impropriety. Wow. Like, <laughs> um, an exclamation point in the quotation. And it was just, wow. Um, so and then he also, this is interesting to me, I didn't know about this. Uh, so he was elected to the Illinois State Legislature and the same year became a member of the secret Mormon shadow government, the Council of Fifty. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. they have a secret
4: shadow government. And One of the other, I didn't mention this, but one of the other um, husbands was a Danite,
1: which is also a problematic part of history, but I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Very problematic. Yeah. So lonely life of a plural wife. Just because it rhymes. Mm-hmm. Delcina witnessed the burning of the Navu Temple. Um, so, and then Babbitt traveled to Utah in 1848 without Delcina. Um, so, clearly they were close. <laughs> <laughs> in 1849, Delcina apparently without Babbitt arrived at Council Bluffs with her mother and five children. Um, now five because Daniel, um, the youngest one, apparently died in Navu. Um, while in winter quarters, she lost. Three of her children, Myra mm-hmm. and Seth, all died, so she's left with two children mm-hmm. um, out of six. Um, Delcina was nearly a total invalid uh, as they traveled across the plains to get to Utah um, because of arthritis. Um, so as they made that difficult journey to Salt Lake, she could barely move, uh, but she made it to the Salt Lake Valley and saw her son, uh, son Marion, before she died at the age of forty-seven. Dang, that's so young. Me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that was Delcina. Short short and sweet. Okay, and then Sarah Ann Whitney. She's wife number 15. The (sighs) 17-year-old? Yeah, so Sarah Ann Whitney Smith Kingsbury Kimball. So Sarah's early life, um, Sarah Ann Whitney was born to Newell Kimball Kimball, Whitney. So Newell K. Whitney. And um, Elizabeth Ann in Kirtland, Ohio in 1825. Her father worked For Mary Rollins Leitner, Mary Rollins Leitner's uncle, Sidney Gilbert, since 1817. And so she was one of three surviving siblings out of 12 Mm. and was very close to her brother, Horace, who would later be Helen Meyer Kimball's second husband. Mm. Um, In the 1820s, uh, Newell and Elizabeth became devotees of Alexander Campbell's Baptist movement and associated with Sidney Rigdon. When they learned he was joining the Latter-day Saints, they were impressed. And um, they had the, their mother, Elizabeth, uh, had a lot of spiritual experiences, um, seeing lights and hearing voices and things, uh, speaking in tongues. And she was convinced that the church must be true. So um, I thought this was a really funny story, <laughs> very interesting, as uh, when they met Joseph Smith. So the Whitney's were praying that the young prophet Joseph Smith could come to Kirtland and the prayer was soon answered. On February 1st, 1831, Smith walked into the Gilbert Whitney store. Uh, he said, Newell K. Whitney, thou art the man, he said without introduction. You have the advantage of me, replied Newell. I am Joseph the prophet. You prayed me here. Now what do you want of me? The Mormon leader explained that he had seen Newell and Elizabeth in a vision, praying for his presence. Newell immediately invited him to stay in his home. Where Joseph and Emma would live for several weeks, and where Joseph would receive many revelations. Sarah Ann, at this time, was six years old. <laughs>
3: Dang. Wow. Also,
4: does the little store have a. Does it say the Newell K. Winnie store? I thought I thought it has
1: had it had his name on the top of the store. Uh, well, when he originally started working there, he was working for Gilbert. Oh, okay. Store, in my, okay, I was in like
4: Mind of was it Joseph knowing his name. <laughs> impressive. If it's on the
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: So uh, leaving Kirtland, Ohio, in 1838, there was dissension in Kirtland. Um, So this was um, a revelation that Joseph had, a revelation. He said, let my servant Newell K. Whitney be ashamed of all their secret abominations and of all his littleness of soul before me, saith the Lord, and come up to the land of Adamondiamen and be a bishop unto my people. I just thought it was funny that he's like, oh, be ashamed of your abominations, your littleness of soul, but be a bishop. (laughs) <laughs> yeah uh, so because of this calling they left their beloved home and friends and they moved to Missouri um so Elizabeth Whitney um she wrote my children although they were disappointed in their hopes of obtaining a superior education such as we thought not stimulate them to obtain yet they accepted this change in their worldly circumstances without a murmur they were devotedly attached to Joseph um I just thought that was really sad. They were planning on getting a higher education, and then they abandoned it all to follow Joseph Smith.
4: I hadn't thought about education being something people give up when they join the church, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Superior education.
2: Well, it's just it's just so funny that she's like, yeah, they were very disappointed, but
1: they didn't murmur. Well, yeah. Like. Yeah. yeah. They were just devotedly attached to Joseph, so all was well, I guess. All was well. So yeah, they had to flee the mob violence, um, so they moved. Anyway, so uh, in 1842, the Relief Society was formed in Nauvoo, and Elizabeth Whitney, so her mom, uh, was chosen by Emma Smith as her second counselor. Wait, so
3: wait,
1: so so Emma
4: and then two counselors and a secretary are all polygamous wives of Joseph, is
1: that what that means? No, Elizabeth is her mom.
4: Oh, Elizabeth's the mom, okay. Yeah. So just saying, but it's all in the family.
1: Yeah. They all are aware, I guess. Yeah. Um, So, well, and this is true of Sarah and same with Delcina. There isn't a lot of writings in her words. Um, So we're receiving a lot of this by way of her mother and her Mm -hmm. brother. So her mom, uh, Elizabeth Whitney said, I was also ordained and set apart under the hand of Joseph Smith, the prophet, to administer to the sick and comfort the sorrowful. Several other sisters were also ordained and set apart to administer in these holy ordinances. I just like this because it it is specifically saying these women were set apart with powers of priesthood to bless. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe that that is real or ever happened, and it says it right there.
4: Well, it's in the really exciting minutes too. Like Joseph says, if the women have power to bless and heal, let them do it.
1: So mm-hmm. I don't know where
4: the, I don't know what the church how the church leaders would, would respond to that. Like, if it was good enough for Joseph's day and all these women, and even Brigham Young and probably some of the prophets afterwards, like, why is it not good enough today? Yeah. yeah. I'd be interested to ask one of the apostles. Yeah. I would, too. (laughs) I would, too.
1: So, five days after the Relief Society was formed, Sarah Ann had her 17th birthday in the Masonic Room above Joseph's store. There's a Masonic room up there. Okay. And she was accepted into the Relief Society, so now she could go to meetings with her mother. Okay. That's really interesting. Um, so, Sarah Ann's marriage, very much like um, Helen Mark Kimball's, um, was a family activity, so everybody was involved. There was a flurry of ritual activity leading up to it. First, Newell received his endowment and became a member of the Holy Order. Soon after, they were introduced to the pol- doctrine of polygamy. They resisted <laughs> it at first. Uh, but Joseph invited them to go and inquire of the Lord concerning it, which is typical for Joseph when attempting to overcome resistance. He's always like, go and pray about it, and figure it out.
4: So the mom did know that, that her daughter was married to Joseph? Yep. Okay, so everyone in the presidency of the early study knows, except yeah. Emma does not. Mm-hmm.
1: So. Um, and why don't you go ahead and read this quote. J.S. means Joseph Smith.
2: Joseph Smith had been strictly charged by an angel that the most profound secrecy must be maintained. He pondered on polygamy continually. We were seemingly wrapped in a heavenly vision, a halo of light encircled us, and we were convinced. Our hearts were comforted and our faith made so perfect that we are willing to give our eldest daughter, then only 17, to Joseph in the holy order of plural marriage. We gave her with our mutual
4: consent. Mm-hmm. Also, the angel appears again. Like, hmm But I... It's just interesting which woman, which wives he uses the angel card on. Yeah, but, and she, oh, she's so young. How ah, you so much faith? on polygamy, continually. Oh goodness. And they resisted it, which is totally normal. And yeah. yeah.
1: It's just, oh,
2: I just, yeah.
1: So, according to family tradition, Sarah Ann accepted this without. Great inner turmoil. She's like, yeah, it's great, it's fine, um, even though, like, she'd have to be giving up all of her like social standing, social standing to I go mean... and be a a, a polygamous wife um, at seventeen. Um, so they were wed July twenty seventh, eighteen forty two, by her father Newell, with her mother standing as witness. Because of this, Newell received a blessing that he would have honor, immortality, and eternal life for him and his descendants for generations and generations. In the marriage ceremony, is made clear that Joseph will have the rights of a traditional husband with Sarah Ann. Posterity is mentioned. According to her best friend, Helen Marr, she said, it was to be a life sacrifice for the sake of an everlasting glory and salvation. Sarah took this step of her own free will. They both sacri- or They both. Both, both those girls sacrificed their romantic dreams to be secretly married to an older man. So that, I like that she said she took this step of her own free will and it just makes me think but it's weird that you would say it like, like yeah. Really like you if you're that. promising they're like I'll give
4: you honor, immortality, eternal life and for not even just you but your descendants that's a lot of pressure for a 17 year old mm-hmm. yeah and her and, and her, her parents
3: yeah because like, he Joseph,
4: it says right there you know
3: yeah and Joseph's
4: Speaking it for God, like she 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 made this choice of her own free will. Yeah.
2: Okay.
3: Okay.
1: No. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. So curiously, even though Sarah's father had authorized the marriage to the prophet, Joseph felt that horace Sarah Ann's brother would oppose it and therefore joseph smith sent him on a mission uh, but to quote it uh, he said but joseph feared to disclose the marriage believing that the higby boys would embitter Horace against him as they had already caused serious trouble and for this reason he favored his going east on a mission this is an important reference because it shows that joseph could use mission calls to male family members to remove possible opposition to his polygamous marriage like, like, sign his husband. <laughs> yeah. Like, we guessed it, but, like, now, right now, it, like, lays it out. It says it right there. He was in favor of it because they're going to cause problems. So, yeah. So Joseph Smith continues in secrecy as he's on the run from the law and hiding his marriages. Um, this specific marriage from Sarah and from Emma. Um, there's a letter that he writes to you three um, never using her name, but it gives instructions on how to get her into the house that he's staying at, and when Emma won't be there. Yeah, yeah. it says which window to use, and to have Newell go and knock on the window first before you send... Uh, anyway, oh it's, really, it's really... It's really...
3: Anyway.
4: Just hearing these crazy stories just makes me feel like how did people... Like, if I had known all these stories, I would never have stayed like yeah the church like no yeah these are wild stories to me and like yeah. I, I have a, the lori Vallis stuff on my mind and they believe really wild things But like these yeah. are really wild things like like see through this window make sure you go to this time where he's not here like it's just i don't know really obvious that it's not this isn't of god no <laughs>
2: no
1: really obvious to us because we're not um we haven't dedicated our entire lives and everything we've ever made to mm. this. So anyway, so about nine months after her marriage to Joseph, Sarah Ann is married to Joseph C. Kingsbury by Joseph Smith himself. <coughs> this is really interesting. So Kingsbury is actually her uncle by marriage. Um, and he was promised a sealing to his deceased wife, Caroline, for accepting the position of a front husband. Uh, for Sarah Ann. So it was not a real marriage in the view of the participants, mm-hmm. but marriage to Cloak, Joseph Smith's marriage to Sarah Ann. So he never, um, Joseph Kingsbury was never, like, she never gave him mm-hmm. any rights as a husband, essentially, but she lived with him all, like, most of the time that um, mm-hmm. she was with Joseph Smith.
4: So, so Joseph, when he marries women who are already married, they stay with the husband all the time. But this is just really unique where he's marrying this girl who's single and then gives her a
1: husband to, to live with. So it's not yeah. obvious. And I wonder if it's because, um, so Helen Mars says something about her being a bright star in the community. Like, I'm wondering if she was like a really popular, like beautiful girl that everybody wanted to go on dates with. And so to hide the fact that she's not single, mm-hmm. they give her a front husband.
4: Mm-hmm. So I want her for myself, so we have to pretend like you two are
1: married. just mm-hmm. really gross. Yeah. yeah so, is. in 1845, Joseph C. Kingsbury is sealed to his first wife by proxy, then to another wife, Dorcas Adelia Moore. And Sarah Ann was not present for this, so she wasn't sealed to him at all. Um, and then two months later, Sarah Ann is... Uh, so this is after Joseph dies... Um, oh I didn't mention that. So when Joseph dies, Sarah Ann is a widow at 19 and she re- she is referred to as kind of kind of because she has a husband. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, true. True. Um she is referred to as Sarah Ann Kingsbury despite never making him a real husband. Um so yeah, and, and 2 months later Sarah Ann is sealed to he- or C Kimball at 20 years old.
2: So, so then she's so then, she's still married to Kingsbury, but sealed to Kimball.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So they unseal her to Joseph, seal
4: her to Kimball while
1: she's well, may...
3: still
4: married to Kingsbury. I don't think
1: they unseal her. But they... She might have just
4: been sealed to Kim... Heber he Kimball um, for time only.
1: They do. They do all sorts of. It's, it's... All isn't she
4: married to Kingsbury for time only?
1: No, I don't think she that she was married to him in the temple at all. I think she was simply oh. married. Like which they don't consider to be anything. So obviously,
4: They're sealed to Joseph for eternity, and then married Kings Kingsbury, and then sealed to Heber for time. Probably. Time probably. Um. Yeah.
3: So
2: that yeah. So basically, any kind of civil marriage is just for
4: show because they don't believe in it. They don't. Well, believe also, it. in I think it's in the Journal of Discourses. I can't remember if I mentioned this, but Joseph actively was teaching that if people are married civilly, it's illegal. It's, if God doesn't sanction it, it's not legal. So I, I'm sure that... Oh, I wrong. actually remember that. Yeah, yeah so like, he... he. I'm sure he didn't think that what he... Or I don't know, but it seems like he didn't think that what he was doing was wrong because these people were not sealed under God's law. So he almost, like, uh, like he, had, he could stake yeah. claim on these women.
2: Yeah, I'm going to object that he didn't know that it was wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, <he didn't,
2: laughs> I don't know object to that sentence. I think he totally knew it was wrong, but he was using it, using it to his uh,
3: advantage. Advantage, yeah.
2: yeah, In this whole process of marrying women behind
1: people's backs, so yeah, yeah, yeah. crazy. Also, fun side note: um, Heber C. Kimball also married her in secret, and she still continued being a Kingsbury for a while until they like went west. So she it was, she was still, even though she was married twice um, to presidents or whatever of the church, like she did eventually live openly as his wife, but it was not. Really? Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, Heber C. Kimball, uh, this, these are just fun, interesting facts. So he asked Elizabeth, her mother, to bless his wife, uh, which was very interesting because he's, he has a very patriarchal blend, bent very patriarchal, so asking a woman to um, have the, the priesthood power um, was very strange, uh, or unusual, I guess. Um, Sarah Ann one time was seriously ill, so he baptized her for her health, which I've never heard of that happening, mm. baptizing for the health. I actually read it another time somebody else got baptized for their health. Yeah,
4: like I know getting baptized twice was a normal thing, but I didn't think it was for health. I thought it was just like, yeah. sort of like the sacrament.
3: Yeah.
1: You just
4: renewed but that's really interesting.
1: Yeah, so... <laughs> He notes in the book, she survived the sickness and the baptism. <laughs> well, that's good. That doesn't help, like especially if you're getting baptized in a river, it doesn't help. <laughs> you're, you're sick, so she participated in creating the Nauvoo Temple veil, and she performed ordinances, washing and anointing other sisters. <coughs> in January eighteen forty-six, she was invited with her husband, Joseph Kingsbury, to a wedding in the temple. There was, I just thought this was interesting that they did this in the temple. So there was a supper, prayers, singing, and sacred dancing until 2.30 a.m. Then yes. men slept in the temple.
4: That would not fly today.
1: I would go <laughs> to that party. So uh, then her father, Newell, who had become a polygamist three years before, was then married to six women at once. And then Kingsbury, her pretend husband, was sealed to her father as his adopted son and his new wives to uh, um, Kingsbury's new wives um, were sealed to Newell as adopted daughters.
4: So, so I did some research a little bit because I'm really curious about this adopting thing. What yeah. I found was that when you adopt in the in church history, because Joseph did seal himself to men, but when you do that, the, if you're the dad, if you're the father of the sealing, you have some kind of claim over their property. And like, oh, so, it, so it's not a good thing to be the son because you kind of lose out. And I know there was some dispute in church history where these two men wanted to be the dad um, because they wanted to be still to each other, but they're like, no, I want to be the one who has, who gets the property. Mm. They fought over it because they're like, and you can do it. It doesn't matter how old you are, you could be the older one and still be considered the son. So I just thought that was really interesting. Mm. And also, of sealing himself to men, but getting some amount of property, whatever that means.
3: Feels shady. Yeah.
4: Very. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Add it to
2: the
1: shady
3: list. Okay. Add it to the shady list. (laughs) Shady
1: list. (laughs) All right, traveling west. So Sarah Ann was nine months pregnant when they start far west. Um, David Kimball Smith uh, was the baby's name, and he was delivered before Patty Sessions could get there. Um, So if you remember Patty Sessions, she delivered nearly four thousand babies, and Mm -hmm. she along with the the pioneers as they went west um i just thought it was interesting that she was but she did not get there in time to deliver um, this baby anyway um she struggled with her health as they tried to reach winter quarters because she just had a baby um she's referenced in coordination with her mother or helen Mark kimball she's with those people all the time um at this point she stops living with her pretend husband
4: her <laughs> pretend husband it's so interesting that's like oh it's just so weird yeah, it's so weird.
1: Um, we, we've heard about the blessings meetings. Um, there is a reference to a Kimball family meeting. Um, so Heber C. Kimball, Helen Mark Kimball, um, in which they clothed t- themselves in temple robes, they were not in the temple, they clothed themselves in temple robes, stood in a ring, and offered up the signs of the priesthood. Woo. I
3: thought
1: that was interesting. Hmm. Um, she took part in fam and in female blessings meetings, received revelations. Um, and then her son David became part of a tragic story during a very strange blessings meeting after which um, the boy died so uh, if I can remember the story correctly so she and some of the other sisters uh, Violet which who is another wife of Heber C Kimball His first um, wife. they were having a blessings meeting and they were trying to uh, receive an angelic visitation uh, I believe and as they were getting, like, really spiritual, um, one of the babies would start crying. So her baby's there and Violet's baby and maybe somebody else's baby. Um, and there's these three babies and one of them starts crying and, like, flailing and, like, having an awful time. And they're, like, "Oh, the, the, just, like, evil spirits are influencing the baby. So you get the one baby, calm down, and then the next baby would start up and start crying and flailing and being possessed by a demon, um, as as it were. Um, and So they finally get that baby calmed down. And then the third baby, you know, took up crying and like awful, awful crying. And so they, uh, and they kept trying to have this angelic visitation and they decided that they would not receive an angelic visitation unless they gave up one of their babies. Uh, What?
3: Sorry, that was, was kind of creepy. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> that was. That was crazy. Keep it one of their babies. Ding 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 ding. Um, <laughs> but
4: like, what a weird story. Yeah. What do they? What? Do, what?
1: Yeah, like, that's what it sounded like. In, like that's what it. it, it, it so it, one of the babies died. Um. So the the their Violet is quoted as saying, "Um, I hope that it is um my baby that." dies instead of David, because she's, I don't know, she wants to sacrifice for the greater good or something, but um, then, like, a few days later, David is the one that dies. What? Yeah.
4: Like,
1: yeah.
4: It feels really weird and suspicious. I don't know, it's just weird. What a weird...
1: Yeah. My guess is that they probably had some kind of sickness running through, and like... And just... if all three babies were crying and sick, or they are around each other, mm-hmm. they Catching it yeah. or whatever, but like that's not how they took it. And like, thank goodness that they didn't actually sacrifice a baby to have an angelic visitation because that's just awful. But man, yeah.
2: But even that's awful. Like that they think that they have to, mm-hmm. or that that would be something to do. Yeah, well, where or, was that idea? Oh. Hmm.
1: Abraham and Isaac.
2: Yeah, it's <laughs> just. And why were they doing that? Why were they sitting? Like, why were they?
4: Why do you bring your babies to
3: to blessing, blessing. meetings? Like, well, why
2: were they even doing that? Why were a group of them around trying to get some angel to come down and talk to them?
3: Well, what I, don't is I don't know. I don't mean, know. There's no TV. But also, their re-
4: <laughs> their family get together sounds really weird. Like, just it just is really culty. Like, first of all, the temple's is already culty, but when yeah. you remove it from the temple. <laughs> It's It's a goldie
1: goldie. Goldie Goldie goldie. Yeah, Yeah. We'll add that to the list. Okay. Okay. So in 1848, uh, Sarah Ann gives birth to another boy, David Orson, is another using the name repeatedly, um, in the back of a wagon. He dies six months later. Oh, because he'd already passed away? Yeah, because the the baby from the story was named David. Um, She changes the middle name, so it helps me keep track. So the next year, she has twins, David Heber and Doris Another H. David. David Heber lives to maturity, but Doris dies as an infant, so she, she got a David. In 1851, she gives birth to Newell Whitney Kimball, named for her father, who died the year before a bilious pleurisy, which I don't know what it is, but it sounds awful.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, three years later, Horace Heber Kimball is born. During this time, she's living with four other Kimball wives, all trying to raise their many children in the same cramped home. In 1857, Sarah Maria is born, her only daughter to survive. Then in 1861, her last child, Joshua Heber, is born.
4: So lots of deaths. And mm-hmm. and also living just the earliest traditional, you know, just she's all crammed in this house.
1: That's just, yeah. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. a lot. So she's, um, she continues to be a prophet's wife. So, um, From here on out, we only see Sarah Ann in reference to Heber C. Kimball. Um, Though Violet was clearly Kimball's favorite wife, Sarah Ann seemed to have special favor. She had to travel with him on First Presidency tours and conferences. Um, And then she became a widow again in 1868 at the age of 44. And then she was a grandmother for a short time before her death in 1873 at age 48. Dang, that's
2: also young. So Sarah Ann's the one that said that she was best friends with...
3: Helen. Mar- Helen. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm.
2: So her dad, her best friend's dad is who she's then finally
1: married, married she also, to Helen. Mar- also, Helen Marr marries Mar- 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 after Joseph died. She marries Horace, which is her brother.
4: So they're <laughs> keeping all of the family. Which is, Hel- which is Sarah's brother. Sarah's
1: yeah. Right. So they're sister in laws? So they're sister in laws -laws? as well as best friends. And they're around the same age 14. As
2: well as stepsisters.
1: And sister wives. Sister
4: wives. (laughs) does it sound weird. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, uh, yeah, redneck. So sister wives, well, you said um, stepsisters. Sister in laws. It was so weird. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, are they are sisters or is one the stepmother of the other? Oh.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. Stepmother, stepdaughter. <laughs> That's what it
4: is. They're just, they're so close in age, so it's... Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's... Okay. Well, there it is.
3: Is that the is last five? The,
2: <laughs> the next five. <laughs>
4: yeah. <coughs> yeah. There Sorry. it is. And we still have, like, 15 or... 20. I don't know. Cause, um, uh, yeah. has a list of 33 wives, I think. Um, and then like Fawn Brody has like 40. I don't remember how many she has, but it's a lot more. Yeah. So. And I think even on the church's website, I think they say 35 to 40.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. I think they have it like up there. I think that's even more than what we're doing.
3: Oof. So yeah. Well, maybe so, we can do them. I mean, also it's seeing
1: how secretive, joseph was like i'm not surprised that there are some that
3: well also women didn't
4: they often keep the records so it's Mm -hmm. and they wrote in code like you they didn't write
1: about it or um they also i'm just thinking didn't want to be part of it anymore
2: oh yeah yeah i'm just thinking somewhere in the church's cave archive in the granite mountain um that's all like secured with people with you know guns Outside it, I just think that maybe there might be a a document somewhere in there that, Mm -hmm. you know, Joseph or someone did actually keep track. Like, I just think it's possible,
4: you know. I would not put it past the church at this point. They could easily have that information and not be releasing it to us. Like, they have the justice papers, and I would hope that they're going to put everything out. But I guess they can be as choosy as they want. They can be, they're as honest as they know how to be.
2: Yeah, and obviously in, you know, recently we found out that honesty can maybe be in question. So, <laughs> you know, if they're not going to be financially like,
4: honest, I'm just maybe on stuff like this, they might not be
2: Yeah, being honest either.
4: So, yeah. um, think, like, it was, like, it still boggles my mind that in 2013, it was world news that he had this many wives. Like, so yeah. that was pretty recent. Like, Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's
2: interesting. And we haven't even gotten to my favorite wife's yet. So. <laughs>
3: she, what, Wait, which Helen. one's your favorite wife?
2: Um, um, Helen. Um, Helen R. Kimball. And just because for some reason, I just felt connected to her. She's one of the first journals that I read. And she actually kept journals in her own words, which is really cool. Um, but I actually found out recently that we're 10th cousins. Um, Like, not removed at all. We're just 10th cousins. So it's kind of cool. I feel more connected to her now and her story. So um I don't know, I'm excited to get to her so I can I can put in some yeah, sense about that. And it's it's kind of special because it was the first time that I was part of an interview with um Sandra Tanner when we talked about her. Oh. So it's connected to Sandra Tanner and my first podcast. So it's kind of fun all
4: around.
3: just like
4: really problematic because she's so young and yeah it changed her Mm -hmm. whole life and not necessarily for the better
2: no and she was so against it so yeah Mm -hmm. it's a crazy story and i just love that it's in her own words a lot of it so but (laughs) i guess this is it for today but thank you um so much to america and julia for putting this slide together and researching everything and doing this series with me. I really appreciate it. And um, send my love to you you both and your family and your cute little dogs and animals. And um, I just think you guys are really special humans,
4: so. (laughs) Thanks, (laughs) thanks. Hopefully Gus doesn't cause too much problems. Oh
2: no, we love Gus. He's just having a day he
3: is waiting for us back here
2: (laughs) yeah well let you guys get back to him but thank you so much and thank you everyone for joining us on this series and we'll see you next time on our truth be told podcast bye everybody Bye. bye